Is the tight labor market frustrating you as a business owner? Do you have employees leaving for $1 to $2 extra per hour? Mako RX Complete Care is a quality healthcare solution that has allowed businesses to recruit and retain employees. To learn how Mako RX can help your business stay competitive, visit mako-rx.com or call 855-562-5679. Mako RX, healthcare simplified. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we have two guests who are building their startup, which is called Cards Talk. And they're changing the way that you're going to be buying greeting cards and how changing the way that retailers are going to be selling them to you. Steph and Brandon Prime are going to be joining us today on the Entrepreneur Exchange. Plus, we've got some interesting small businesses that you should be checking out on our Small Business of the Month feature. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller who is now the executive dean of the Corporate Development Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great and perfect on the title. You notice we've shrunk it so it's a little bit easier for us to remember. Well, you, your, your title is constantly changing because that's uh, much cheaper than giving you more money. So that's they, exactly they, right. They give you more titles. We keep taking things and moving them uh, to us and our team. So it's a good thing. We're adding responsibility, but the t- and so the title changes a little bit each week. But that's a good thing. Well, I, I know that you had an exciting time last week because you and the Catawba Valley Community College uh, team participated in the North Carolina Skills USA program and did very, very well. How, how many medals did we collect this year? Well, thank you for uh, letting us talk about that. Yes, we're so proud of our Skills USA program, which again, of course, uh, it focuses on technical programs, but it also focuses on leadership programs. And so with our 5,000 students across campus, it's the best organization for us to be working with because we can have people compete anywhere from accounting all the way to welding and everything in between, as well as college transfer. And so they get to show off their skills in many different ways, like in public speaking uh, entrepreneurship, which we'll talk about in a few seconds. But yes, we broke our own state record. We won 51 medals. Well, congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. And 19 firsts gold medals and 15 silver medals. And so the 19 gold medal winners will go to nationals in Atlanta. And for the second year in a row, our, our Catawba Valley team won the gold medal in entrepreneurship. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, our entrepreneurship team has been very strong under your leadership over the last several years, finishing first, second, or third in the state as well as at nationals. So well, we're very proud of you. Well, and, and Christy Lefevre has led the team this year, so we're proud of Christy. But that will serve as our transition to talk to some actual entrepreneurs that we've That's got with us today. Uh, so let's welcome our guests, uh, Steph and Brandon Prime. Steph and Brandon, how are you guys doing today? Hey, we're doing great. Yeah, no, thanks for having us on. Well, we appreciate, uh, appreciate you joining us. Steph and Brandon are founders and owners of Cards Talk, 
a startup business that they founded in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, they both have IT backgrounds, uh, degrees from North Carolina State University, and uh, go Wolfpack. Yeah, go Wolfpack. And and uh, uh, you guys have worked with several technology companies from Amazon to to others, and I've been in in the Northwest and came back to North Carolina. Uh, founded Cards Talk in 2020, and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, how Cards Talk came about, and tell tell our listeners what Cards Talk is. Tell tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having us on the program. It was really great to meet you at Hickory Hub and just kind of get plugged into all the great stuff that's happening here. Um, to give you a little bit of background about who we are and how this came to be, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We're techies. I actually did kind of like DevOps work for Amazon Web Services. And Brandon, uh, tell them about yeah. what you did. So I, I worked on Amazon Go, which is basically Amazon's just walk out uh, automated grocery retailer uh, store. So it's kind of a smaller footprint grocery store concept with a lot of prepared foods and um, basically just quick grab and go items. But uh, yeah, basically I worked on that um, you know, almost five years ago. And uh, you know, they're actually starting to expand now to multiple stores after their, their um, Whole Foods acquisitions. But it was a really cool way to, uh, I guess, learn about smart retail and uh, yeah, just work on some really interesting projects. Yeah. And so when we kind of approach this, it's one of those things where it's like the basic idea of cardstock is like a almost red box for greeting cards. So they're actually printed on demand uh, that it's, you know, actually local artists and independent artists. You browse through them, select which card that you want and you print it there. hundred percent recycled paper is printed on and um, very premium quality cards. And it was kind of born out of the typical frustration just after years of buying cards and it never actually getting better. I remember one year my mom actually apologized to me on my birthday because the card that she found at the grocery store was just so bad. And so thinking of it as a tech person, like I kind of came at it from the angle of thinking about cloud computing and about how can you use resources more efficiently? How can we use networks to actually include people instead of exclude them? which was a big driving force behind cardstock because like I said, I think our main value that's really uh, resonating people is actually the local artist kind of angle. The fact that people can just go into an earth there in Asheville and look at amazing, you know, designs by people who are actually in their community and feel good about supporting them. So that's a little bit about what cardstock is. And, and, and if somebody wants to find, and, and, and basically you're, you're working to get into retailers at this point in time, and it sounds like you've gotten a little bit of traction in, in the Asheville area. Is that correct? Yeah. So actually, uh, we actually came to Asheville first in 2020 and kind of got plugged into the, uh, venture community here, uh, with a uh, venture Asheville, elevate Asheville, the chamber of commerce actually helped us make an introduction to um, Earth there. And they were actually just really into the idea because uh, their aisle is, I think, about 16 linear feet. Our uh, kiosk is three feet, right? So they were thinking about how can they use their space more fi- efficiently? How can they make their customers happier? And that uh, pilot kiosk has actually only been there since November, but it's actually uh, been performing really well. We did the math on holiday sales, so right before uh, the week before Christmas, and actually our profit per foot was uh, about neck and neck with the 16-foot aisle they had had there forever. 
So, um, like I said, we're seeing a lot of interest there and we're just starting to reach out to more retailers who are really plugged into the local scene or looking for ways to save floor space. There's actually a statistic where um, if you're an independent pharmacy and you want a Hallmark aisle, uh, they require at least 24 feet. So uh, that's a lot of linear feet that could be put into, you know, uh, more valuable things. And just having the flexibility is just so valuable these days. Well, 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 as someone that used to, uh, you know, in part of my career used to be in, in selling into major retailers like Walmart and Target, understanding the value of that retail space, uh, you know, is very important. And if there's a way that you can give some of that space back to them, but maintain uh, the sales through your kiosk, I would think that's a very valuable approach to them. But I guess you've got to sell to more than one customer. You've got to be able to convince the retailer that this is a good deal for them. You also have to educate, I would think, the end consumer a bit to say, this isn't how I'm used to buying cards. You know, how do you how do you sort of bring them into the process and get them comfortable with it? You know, uh, I suspect some of the younger people are, are more tech savvy than older people like Gary and I who, you know, you know get allergies if we have to do too much with the technologies. How do, how do you sort of get people comfortable with that? That's totally a uh, totally fair question. Um, to answer your, your uh, second part uh, first, I think, uh, you know, when we when we designed cardstock, it was we, we understand this is going to be a very novel experience. Um, people have tried to do kiosks in the past, but, you know, technology, obviously, <laughs> back when um, I think Hallmark tried to do a kiosk in like the early 2000s, um, just tech wasn't there yet. Um, but as far as the way we design cardstock, you know, it's on your um, you can use it on your smartphone. You can go to the, the browser website. Um, the tablet that is on the kiosk itself is actually um, the same application that we have on the website. So it's a pretty uniform experience. But the way it was designed was effectively to be very similar to um, Netflix or Hulu and the and the way that you actually use the app. So it's a uh, it feels pretty intuitive. A, a lot of people, a lot of older people who use it, they, they say it feels just like using something like that. And the goal when you're designing th these things is not to you know require your, your new users to learn a lot of information to, to, to buy your product. And so That's good we, for we designed intentionally around that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess for uh, sorry, I, I forgot your phrasing for the first part of the question. But um, well, just talking about think, the uh, about the retailers yeah. and how 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 you can yeah. be make better use of their space by making the case that you can use less space but generate the sales. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think yeah. So it's there's a couple of angles here. So um, you know, just for some background information, green cards, uh, uh, pretty much research shows like about fifty percent of people buy online, like e-cards and then the other 50% of people um, they you know they're buying you know brick and mortar going to uh, CVS or Walmart and, and and buying those cards and, and taking them home and uh, you know it's actually really interesting because a lot of people um, online who actually do buy online would actually prefer to pick up in store it's actually a, a very very high preference rate something like 90% of people really don't like waiting three to five days to get their cards and so a big thing for retailers on top of what Stephanie was saying earlier with you know shrinking floor space and providing more um, cards and less space is really about bringing in online foot traffic, um, people who otherwise wouldn't be coming in because to, to grocery stores, greeting cards are not a huge profit center. They're much more about the attachment rate, what comes with the card. Um, it's a box of chocolate for Valentine's Day. It's a bottle of wine for an anniversary. It's, um, you know, Christmas presents, obviously, things like that. Oh, um, and so, you know, we have Mother's Day coming Mother's up Day, too. I was yeah, going to say, so, this is a perfect fit yeah. for me. Yeah. Flowers, yeah. yeah, and we've got some uh, great cards for Mother's Day <laughs> yeah. up too. And I don't think Brandon dropped the domain name yet, so I want to mention that because anyone's oh, yeah. wondering, it's it's hard to hearing it. It's hard to know how it's spelled. <laughs> it's c a r d s t a l k dot i n k. Um, 
It's like yeah, like a beanstalk. Yeah, yeah, that well, ink, like I know. Ink. Well, it was it was it was the, it was the ink that sh- that screwed me up at first when I when I was searching for you guys. It's, I mean, it's cardstalk dot ink, yeah. but the ink is I N K. You know, I would people yeah, probably yeah. hear it and they assume I N C, but it's I N K. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 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 you got you guys started this venture in 2020. Um, uh, in terms of funding, I you, know, you you mentioned getting connected into the uh, uh, entrepreneurship community in Asheville, which is really a very uh, vibrant, uh, uh, thriving community up there. You know, tell us a little bit about uh, you know as you developed the business and uh, search for your initial funding. How did you go about that, and what were some of the successes that you had, and and lessons that you might have learned that might help uh, people listening? Yeah, well, uh, fundraising and um, in general uh, investment is something that's I think we're still learning about and still working on. And when we started in June 2020, we got a micro grant from Venture Asheville. And if you look at um, a lot of community-based kind of micro grants, and that means it was about a $5,000 non-dilutive grant uh, that we applied for and um, were basically selected out of a large group for. And um, that helped us actually fund the initial kind of kiosk prototyping, bringing on artists. And the other one was the NC Idea Micro Grant. That's another org very similar. Um, and that was uh, $10,000. And besides that, it's actually been bootstrapped by um, what we've actually had ourselves. So we're trying to you know, be really picky about having mission aligned kind of investors. And we want to be sure we're in a place where our, our expansion plan is ready to go. So that means finding that next partner first. Um, we're even looking at ways to improve the experience of the kiosk before going out. One of the things we learned actually, because when, when you're starting anything like this, funding including, just talk to as many people as possible. And um, we talked to someone who was the VP of sales at Redbox back in the day. And he said that uh, just get those unit economics down as tight as you can. And then when you have those unit economics that, can turn into sales, then uh, it becomes much more attractive. Yeah, and, and to go back to your point earlier uh, about you know how you approach retailers, I think it's interesting because you know we 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 like to say you know we're the red box of greeting cards, but there is a fundamental retailer difference in that um, back when Redbox was coming out, uh, it was kind of you know the blockbuster times. There wasn't most grocery stores did not have dedicated video rental aisles, and so the the sales strategy for Redbox is very very different than what we're doing when we're coming in and trying to replace a currently ex- existing consumer package. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's some interesting things and some lessons you can learn. Um, but, you know, not everything is applicable, even though you, you would think that the business model is very similar. Well, I, w- I would think yeah. the, I, I would think the red box experiences more incremental sales. While, as you as you said, you're trying to replace people that probably don't appreciate that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. You want to go back to the investment, though? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was actually going to mention, too, as well. Uh, so one of the first things that we uh, kind of – after we got into Earth Fair and we started thinking about funding because, you know, obviously you need to start raising before you need it, um, we actually got introduced uh, to Encolo in Raleigh, um, and I think they used to be uh, Invest Local NC. Um, but basically uh, what Encolo kind of does is they kind of educate on this new era of uh, regulation CF crowdfunding for, for fundraising. And it's a very, very interesting space just because it's very new. It's only like, I think it's only been legal for about five years from the SEC. And it's really providing a very interesting way to 
um, not just raise money, but I think frame the narrative of your company. It's a lot less, um, I think, structured and rigid with your traditional private equity kind of pitching. And it's much more like personal, you know, explaining why your company exists. And it's a very, um, I think for a founder, it's a much easier way to start the ball rolling. Um, I think in reality, it's more of a glorified friends and family round, but um, you know, it, it does give you a lot of really cool things that are good. Like your cap tables all reduced to one entry. Um, there's some really nice little benefits you get from doing a reg CF. And so that was just one of the first early resources that we, we yeah. really looked into. And I got a shout out to Mountain BizWorks. Oh, yeah. I actually learned about that from their invested program. It's just a course where you can learn about crowdfunding. And I definitely think that there's a lot of companies, especially small ones, who it's worth just looking into, knowing all your options before thinking you have to go immediately to like a VC. Yeah. Well, you, you've mentioned several different resources that it sounds like you've benefited from in, in Asheville, uh, also Mountain BizWorks, which I guess is, is is regional, but I think maybe headquartered in Asheville. Uh, are there other entrepreneurial resources that uh, – you've tapped into the, as you've progressed that uh, have had a benefit to you or, or, or value to you guys? Oh, man. Well, I mean, it, the NC idea program was very, very interesting. Um, we got into the micro grant with that. And uh, yeah, that, that I think that's interesting because, you know, we are Western North Carolina, but we, you know, went to college in Raleigh. We had a lot of Raleigh contacts. And so um, I think tapping in through NC idea was very interesting because when we were in Raleigh before the pandemic started, um, you know, I, I think that the entrepreneurial scene was just starting to kind of really get kind of going um, as far as money coming in and, and people setting up a lot of, um, let's say, headliner kind of programs. And uh, being able to tap back in that in the middle of the pandemic, I think, was very interesting because it made us um, you know, it, it was hard being a business owner you know, during the pandemic. You know, you don't get as much face to face contact. It was it wasn't as good. So that was just a very nice uh, relationship with them. And, and going through that program was really cool. Well, and you say that in that you guys started in March 2020. That's pretty much you started the business right during the pandemic. I mean, is that was that uh, by design? I mean, <laughs> well, I actually I, I was planning on it in January. I was that's when I quit my full time remote job that was nice and comfy, not knowing the pandemic was about to happen in January. Um, but it was one of those things where we just kept working on it and we kept the, the feedback was so good. And one thing the NC idea program that I liked, uh, really emphasized was, uh, finding product market fit and interviewing people like real people as soon as possible. And it's just one of those things that even with the pandemic, as many people as we were talking to weren't, they weren't planning on not buying cards. And it was one of those things that we knew it was going to come back and we knew that the demand wasn't going away. So I, I, I'm glad that we kind of, uh, worked through the pandemic <laughs> definitely good for the spirits yeah <laughs> well, well i know something that gary and i talk a lot about is is really that customer discovery process of getting out there and talking with customers and trying to understand uh, their problems and do you have a solution that can help solve their problems i mean how it sounds like you guys did this pretty actively during a pandemic you know were you doing it online did you get to people in person or how how did you go how did you go about getting that feedback from people yeah no i leveraged a lot of online communities i'm actually part of a um community for women in tech it's called alpha e l p h a dot com and it's a really just great place where people are very supportive they go on all the time and say hey i'm building this can i interview you about this what do you think about this and um, that was one of my main research search points, because I think another reason cards have kind of been ignored by the tech industry is that if you look at the data, like 80 percent of card buyers are women. Mm 
So I think that a lot of times when we were especially talking to people out like in Seattle or maybe their family lived far away and it wasn't like a part of their lifestyle buying cards, uh, it, they didn't really click. Even if they see the number, that it's, it's a $7 billion market in the U.S., $7 billion in sales every year. Uh, like I said, I think there's kind of a disconnect between they think, oh, people are happy with it now. When people who actually buy cards all the time, everyone we talked to had a horror story about how bad their cards were. One of our friends was complaining because American Greetings was wrapping their cards in plastic so you can't see the inside. And he bought a card that he thought was going to be perfect for his girlfriend. And then she opened it and they finally opened it up and it had like this awful like floral font that he knew <laughs> she, she would just hate, right? <laughs> yeah. And the more to that, I mean, it's, you know, it's not just customer customers. Uh, you know, we, when we first got introduced to Earth Fair, for example, uh, Earth Fair, uh, for anybody who's unaware, they they basically, uh, um, I think they went out of business sometime in the middle of the pandemic and they got bought and re kind of opened uh, 35 locations by a new uh, private equity firm. Um, but part of that process, we were kind of getting in there because, um, you know, new, new company, you're trying to innovate things a little bit. Um, but part of that product discovery, I think, was working with the retailers. The retailer, uh, Earth Fair has been fundamental to the way that we kind of you know, bubble information to them and how we kind of uh, uh, have to learn to be a business with those retailers. Because one thing that we have learned very quickly on is retailers are all very different. Um, all, they all have a very different corporate structure. Uh, responsibilities don't necessarily fall under the same people. So if you're, you're doing sales or if you're trying to do a product market fit, you know, uh, people might call them the same thing, but they have wildly different job functions. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I think was pretty fundamental um, to the process of just trying to design it. Same thing for the artists. Uh, you know, we have a portal for the artists to upload their art. Um, we're always trying to, you know, improve on that. It's not the best right now for them just because, uh, you know, there's so many features we're trying to put in there, but uh, figuring out what they need, uh, what, you know, uh, what tools they need to upload cards, what they need to, you know, look into their, their data metrics. I think that's a, a part that's really just kind of going as we, uh, as we, you know, sell cards and talk and onboard people. So it's not all uh, easy to pre-plan up front. Some of it you just have to build while you're uh, climbing. So so I got a chance to, I, I met you because you guys were doing a pitch or like a practice pitch down here in, in Hickory with, with a, a group down here. I, I'm assuming that you've, have you done pitches to equity investors at this point in time? And you know, okay. why, why don't you share some of your experience with uh with going through that that pitch process, and and are there some lessons that you can share with folks uh, listening, uh, you know, if and when they get in front of uh, potential equity investors? Yeah, I'd say just uh, when you go in front of them, just be prepared to answer any question anyone can throw at you, um, because uh, I think we've we've just had a lot of really interesting feedback, and that's where all the really interesting stuff we plan out a whole slide, right? And, you know, we try to address as much as we can up front. A lot of people, things that we didn't know we wanted to have in earlier that we started adding in is things like um, exit strategy. I think that's something that we learned that we needed to include to help the conversation keep moving. Um, but in general, like I said, the best parts come from actual interactions with the people in the room. Yeah. And uh, a little bit more to that point, I think I think the, the biggest uh, – issue that we've had early on, I think, is when you're getting a lot of feedback from private equity firms, you know, you're talking to funds with, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, technically. And, you know, you, I think when you get feedback early on, the first time you get feedback, you know, you, you take it to heart, you know, it's an important thing. It's your first, you know, time pitching. Um, but then after doing a few of them, you'll realize a lot of the, a lot of the advice will be conflicting. Um, and I think a, a lot of the process is really, I, I just warn against, you know, uh, dropping everything to do this one thing that one single equity firm does, because, you know, I think the phrase is the long maybe. I think a lot of times 
equity firms will tell you, here's, here's the conditions in which we need to talk again in the future, but those are kind of moving goalposts. And really it's, uh, it's one of those things where no one wants to tell you no if they like you, because you know obviously at the end of the day, the day if you get a good business model and everything's going great, they, they definitely want to be on board. Um, but the, I think the worst thing you can do is kind of take some advice that might be more of like um, cautionary investor uh, needs and then try to incorporate that into your product. Uh, you could probably, yeah, we, we did that. The, fir the first couple we did, we, we started, you know, sort of planning some features and stuff. And then we realized very quick, very quickly that that would uh, thrash us a little too hard. So. It's better to listen to your customers when it comes to that. Exactly. Don't listen to the investors unless, again, some, some advice is amazing and you should definitely do it. But uh, well, I think that's really good advice to not take the first uh, suggestion or, you know, kind of research if somebody tells you something. Okay, we'll look into that as opposed to jumping at it and going, bouncing back and forth. Because you're right, they may have a certain mindset that doesn't fit with what you're trying to do. Yeah. Well, 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 Steph, you mentioned that one of the questions that often comes up is exit strategies, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and to me, often that you, you might be getting into this and not have given much thought about exit strategies. I mean, how, have you, have you guys approached that? And that is this something that, that you could envision being acquired by another company in the greeting card business, or is this something that you'd like to, to, to see yourselves continue with for 20 years or what's, or, or you know, uh, if someone makes you an offer, you can't refuse, yeah. don't refuse it. Yeah. So what's, what's your, what's your, what do you, yeah. what do you guys think about the exit strategy piece of it? Yeah. Well, I think that's something that, you know, I think that sometimes people make the mistake of, uh, you know, it's, it's their baby and they aren't thinking about from the investor's perspective that their goal is to make money. And ultimately our goal is to, make money, make a product that, you know, is going to last, right, to build value. So I'd say that it's actually something that we look at early on because it helps us know what we need to do as well. Like um, we look at companies like uh, Etsy is an interesting one um, because they don't have any physical presence, right? And we can actually go to like Etsy's like SEC filings and like look at things they're looking at with local art and see how we align with strategy. And we can say, hey, look at what this big player in the market is doing and we feel a strategic kind of need that they might have long term. And it becomes like a really compelling, like a kind of you can use that as evidence that the market is moving the way that you are hypothesizing that it's moving. Um, and also players like Hallmark, we can look at how uh, uh, they just don't have the tech uh, kind of needs, the tech talent that they need to do something like this. Uh, we always use the uh, Instacart example, right? People thought that when Instacart came out, that every grocery store chain in the world just built their own app instead and do it themselves. But it turns out that uh, building apps and maintaining tech products is really hard. And if you're running in a competitive market, it's not something you want to take the risk or the time in investing in yourself necessarily. So it's one of those things where we feel like we're in a good spot because we're focusing on things that the big players, they just don't have the resources or the specialties to focus on. But if we show traction, we could see like that Hallmark, American Greetings, even a retailer like a, a Walmart type, right? Um, we think that we're, we won't keep ourselves in a position where we know what they want so that, that years down the road, we could show their investors that we could be a good investment as well. Definitely. And, and yeah, and to that point, we are you know, we, we, this is bleeding edge technology. You know, it, I think the reason why you really haven't seen something like this so far is because uh, printer tech and pricing of, of to manufacture a card on demand has not been something that has really historically been cheap, at least a good quality card. 
Um, and so I think a lot of part of this, uh, you know, positioning for us, you know, it, it, we're not obviously trying to exit too early, but I think there is a certain angle of, you know, we see the market going in this direction. And I think, you know, if, you, if you're looking at your startup and, and you're not planning on holding it for a very long time, um, the number one thing you really do need to be thinking about when you're talking to investors, even if you're not taking money, is really what is that exit event going to look like? Um, and uh, yeah, just just keeping that question in mind can lead you down some very interesting um, paths, assuming you want to go down that route. But uh, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, safe to assume now you're keeping your options open. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. We, we, we fit in between a lot of different areas or sectors. And so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not trying to sell right now, obviously, but um, there's a there's a very uh, compelling case for a lot of people, I think, to look at us. And we've had those conversations to some extent, but, you know, it's pretty early. Uh, we're still still trying to prove a lot of the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. No good deal. Well, uh, as, as we sort of wind some things up here, are there any other lessons that uh, uh, you guys have learned during your, your startup that you can share with our listeners? I have one that's controversial. No, we okay, like, so we like controversies. Really lo- Bring it. <laughs> one thing I really love about our cards is that uh, it's like 100% post-consumer waste recycled, right? So no single-use plastics, the environmental aspect. And actually that aspect when I was uh, pitching to Earth Fair, being a natural grocer, they were so on board. And that was a big driving factor to them. But um, every time we talk to a customer, that is not what they care about in a greeting card, right? It's it's all about the actual art. It's all about the actual emotion with it. And uh, it doesn't make a single difference, I think, in sales to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to know true across all different types of items, but there definitely seems to be, it's almost more of a guilt factor. Mm-hmm. I think when given an alternative between an eco-friendly and a non-eco-friendly alternative, I think that's where it matters. I think just, but in a vacuum, it's it's... At least, uh, yeah, honestly, from the Earth Fair Natural Retailer perspective, you figured it would be more... Everyone um, we ask, nobody yeah. <laughs> listed that as something important to I think, them. I think in a lot of ways, the brand does a lot of social proofing for you. Um, Earth Fair is known for natural products, and I think that the shoppers just don't really think about it when they're in the store because they already kind of have that assurance that the products they're getting are, you know, of that quality or, or caliber. Um, and so they don't really think about it actively when they're making that purchase. But uh, yeah, no, it's just super interesting. But I guess that's the, like I said, that's a thing to learn that uh, the messaging that we have for retailers versus customers, they cannot be the same thing because what is important is not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. Oh, another, another piece of advice. If you're going to do a B2B to C market, so three center marketplace, Definitely try to have three people at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a little hard with just the two of us. Yeah, uh, if you're gonna, I'd say a person per side of the of the business is uh, ideal. Um, not saying that uh, you know, we haven't made it work, but uh, <laughs> there's been moments where we're like, why did we try to do this with only two people? <laughs> um, but you know, those moments come and go. You you make better tooling to automate it, and you know, so on and so on. So. Well, I, I imagine it's it's a, it's a challenge to build out your team at this point in time, and you guys are 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 partners in business and in life. So I I guess you're stuck with one another for the time being. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, we're coming up on uh, twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, that's great. Well, we we um you know we we'd like to uh, have you guys uh, play our lightning round with us if you don't mind to do some quick questions before oh, we sure. do that. All before right. before we, we do that, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor. In a, in, is the tight labor market frustrating you as a business owner? Yes. It is, all right. Do you have employees leaving for $1 or $2 extra per hour? Absolutely. Even at the community college? Yes, absolutely. Well, Mako RX Complete Care is a quality healthcare solution that has allowed businesses to recruit and retain employees. 
To learn how MakoRx can help your business stay competitive, visit MakoRx.com. That's Mako-Rx.com or call 855-562-5679. That's 855-562-5679. MakoRx, Healthcare Simplified. And we, we deal with businesses that are you know, you know, young and have some employees. They might not be in a position to provide much in benefits. They should be checking out MakoRx. For sure. So anyway, thanks for, thanks for sponsoring us. And we look forward to folks checking that out. We also, uh, we, we'd like to play our lightning round, which are quick questions that we're going to ask uh, Steph and Brandon. Uh, quick answers. You know, you can answer individually or as a team. It's, it is up to you. So our first question for you, what is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve I mean, just personally, like loud, annoying noises. Okay. That's. <laughs> yeah, I think I think mine is uh, repeated apologizing for no reason. I, think that, <laughs> I don't know for some reason. Uh, for me, that's like one of those things. It's like, why, why? Don't be sorry. It's okay. Don't be sorry. All right. Well, I didn't mean to ask a difficult question there, Brandon. I'm sorry. I <laughs> know <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite vacation spot? Yeah, the same Miami. Yeah, Miami, hands down. Miami? Okay. Yeah. What, what do you guys it's like so about you, you like the weather? What's what's what you, what's so great about Miami? I, you've been in the Northwest. What's that? Yeah. Weather, beach, and food. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I like the those. beach is a pretty big one. Uh, yeah, I love the beach uh, a lot. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, I, the fact the fact that you're living in Asheville, I thought that you might be more mountain people. So, okay, that's it. That's interesting. Stephanie's definitely more than mountain. Okay. <laughs> Vacation has to be different. Shake it up. All right. Harry Potter, Star Wars, or Godfather movies? Oh, man. That's rough. I feel, I feel like Star Wars is a mixed bag just because there's so many okay. good and bad ones. Okay, I'm going with Star Wars. Yeah, I think I think we just have to give it to Star Wars. Okay. Love Harry Potter, don't get me wrong, but yeah. yeah. Do you have a uh, adult beverage recommendation? Oh, man. Anything from Dissolver. Uh, I like their sours. Yeah, so Asheville has an amazing brewery called Dissolver. That's kind of our go-to. And they, they have the most interesting, like, cheesecake sours. Just Weird very stuff. interesting beers. Dissolver. Um, things that – yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no – it's like D-S-S-O-L-V-R. Amazing brewery downtown. They're kind of new. They started the pandemic, so. Jeff's going to be there this afternoon. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm writing that one down. All right. <laughs> um, favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Oh man, good answer. That's so hard for me. Um, you know, like Ben and Jerry's. Uh, like if I was going to do like a Ben and Jerry's flavor, I would say something like uh, just a classic, you know, banana split. But uh, in general, yeah, I, I like more of the things inside the ice cream more than the ice cream itself. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Last question for you: If you had a superpower, what would it be? Oh, that's an easy one for me. Um, I've always loved the idea of having like a video game like save system. So you could save and restore old saves of uh, where you are in time. I know it's a weird one, but I just love the idea of having uh, that video game access in real life. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Um, let's see. It's a hard one for you. I'm gonna pass. I have just too many <laughs> options. I can't, I can't we'll let on. you pass. All right. We'll we'll take we'll accept Brandon's. Well, we appreciate you guys playing the lightning round. Again, if people want to find you, where should they be looking for you? Uh, in Asheville's Earth Fair to use the kiosk. And again, go to our website, 
C-A-R-D-S-T-A-L-K dot I-N-K. We, we're mailing cards, and they should come within three to five days, free shipping. So Yeah. You, you, you can partake in Cards Talk, Inc. now. It's Inc. I-N-K, Cards Talk, Inc. So uh, everyone should go and check them out. So uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, we always like to wind up our uh, show with the uh, small business of the month. Do you guys have a, a small business that uh, you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, actually. Uh, so we were in Raleigh a few weeks ago, and we actually got to go to the kind of grand opening setup party for something called The Factory. It's, their website is thefactory.community, and it's this really interesting space in like the warehouse district of Raleigh that they turned into a maker space type co-working. So instead of a co-working where it's just office people on computers, they have like t-shirt presses and um, like a laser etcher and all these, th- like a candle making device, things that like makers like make their own products to sell either online or in like local stores can actually go and use this equipment and work together and uh, build great things as a community community and uh it's just it was the coolest kind yeah, johnny uh johnny hackett he's uh the owner of black dollar corp and d- runs the black friday market downtown in raleigh he uh this is kind of like his newer kind of venture and it's uh yeah it's really awesome it's really cool to see in person well cool all right well folks should be checking that out particularly if them if they're in the raleigh area so that, uh, we appreciate you sharing that one gary what's your what's your small business this month i'm gonna twist it a little bit uh you talked about our skills usa students and our entrepreneurship team, led by Christy Lefevers and our students, winning the state championship, going to nationals, Common Grounds, which is a unique uh, concept for uh, attracting high school and middle school and college kids into tea and different things, a hangout, but a a cool hangout. I think it's going to be really good. I think they're going to do well at nationals. I also want to give you a shout-out, Mr. Newell, for – uh, your Shark Tank, your high school Shark Tank that you held yesterday, which was probably a record number. Had a good time. Uh, and 20 to 30 students uh, pitching ideas. We've been doing this now for 13 years and in our 13th year and continue to see great performance, but that's because of your leadership. Oh, you're the godfather of Shark Tank, Gary. So well, that's all right. We're a team, yeah. but you're, you've led it into a really good thing. And in the, what was amazing to me is not only had so many – uh, young entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs, but they were really good. Because uh, we work. started out, the pitches weren't so good maybe 12 or 13 years ago. They were really good and mm-hmm. very talented students, so I feel really good about that. And I'll give one last shout-out to Maria's Pink Box, which is a food truck in Charleston. Great food. Uh, sweets, of course, that's in my wheelhouse for uh, our podcast, Small Businesses. Uh but really good food. And then the, if you order ahead, you can get it in a pink box. So <laughs> perfect for Mother's Day. Maria's Pink Box. Yes. Okay. I know you're a fan of Charleston. I am. We love Charleston. Okay. So it's, uh, and I love food trucks and I love seeing right. those kind of things. So, all right. There I am. Well, I, I, I ran across an, uh, what I thought was an interesting new business. Gary, when I, th- when I say sports bra, what do you think of? Not you. No? Okay. Well, actually, it is a new sports bar in Portland, Oregon, which is dedicated to women's sports called That's the Sports cool. Bra. It's, yeah. uh, their, their mission is to make great food, delicious drinks, and provide a space that supports, empowers, and promotes girls and women in sports and in their community. They feature cocktails from uh, a women-owned distillery 
called Freelance Spirits, uh, which they use to make their signature cocktails. They use beers from female brewers. Uh, and, of course, they've got uh, a lot of TVs with WNBA and women's soccer team. Uh, I think in Portland is the Portland Thorns. Uh, lots of college sports going on. Uh, we always talk about trying to find a way to distinguish yourself, and the sports bra has got a focus and, and niche uh, where they're, they're doing well. So I really like that. Yeah. I'm, I've not been there. It's in Portland, Oregon. But if I was in Portland, Oregon, I would visit the sports bra. And you can check them out at www.thesportsbrapdx.com. So, Fantastic. Joe Bob says check it out. I'm into women's sports or our girls growing up played all types of sports, no, and that's fantastic. That's right. So if you have a suggestion for the Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at the eexchange at themesh.tv. We want to thank uh, Steph and Brandon Prime for joining us today. Thank you so much, thank guys. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for inviting us. You should go to cardstalk.inc, and that's .inc. Check them out. We want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network and a special thanks to Mako RX for supporting the podcast. You can check them out at www.mako-rx.com. So we look forward to seeing everybody next month and have a good one. Happy Mother's Day. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.